you're listening to 91.5 FM WPRK Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College and the best in basement radio. You are tuned in to the Motorsports Hour talking about all sorts of racing happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. A little bit late here this evening, a little technical difficulties, but nonetheless, we're getting rolling now. My name's Clark. I am your host alongside me tonight, as always, Mr. Chris Wire to Wire Wire. How you doing over there? Doing better than our software. Yes, yes, but we got it sorted out. I know. I very, guess now you're very deftly handling that. Yeah, you know, you press the buttons. You you know, and and you know what you end up doing. You 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 try to do this. You try to do that, and then you just resort to the good old turn it off, turn it back on again, and guess what? It works. EFP. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that's all it is, basically. It, that's how you fix everything, I think, now. Just turn it off, turn it back on again. Just reset it. The tech guys out there are freaking out right now yeah. because they would rather you call them. Uh-huh. Something is wrong. Have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing that? Have you tried? Where, where At what point do they get in the checklist? Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Um... I don't know. Depends on the billable hours. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think that's a good point there, Wire. It depends. Yeah, are they in-house IT guys, or are they getting? Uh, are they outsourced and getting paid by the hour? I think you're right. Could be. Although nothing against tech guys, but they can be very territorial. Yeah. The company I worked for had an in-house tech guy. He had everything on lockdown. You couldn't do a thing without yeah. calling him. Yeah. I, they, and it was like a little fiefdom for him. It is. It is. You, they, you want to do this, you got to, you know, whatever. And it was simple stuff. Yeah. I, got, I just stuff. want to update. I just want an update of this software. That's it. It's trying to update. It asked me every time I started up. Nope, nope, can't update. I just want to add this one vendor. Yeah. I can do it. It's like three clicks. Yeah. Oh, no. You need to submit a work order for that. Oh, yeah. It takes me longer to write the work order than it does actually do it <laughs> if I had access. Yeah. I, I tell you, what, that's that that is the world that we live in, though, and, uh-huh. and that is, I, uh-huh. I, 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 you know, there there is some good stuff out there, though. Why are you know we had we had some racing uh, here in the Sunshine State, uh, the Miami Grand Prix, so we've got that on tap. Um, all kinds of good stuff going on in the world of Formula One, um, you know. And I, I tell you what, it was a good little weekend. I, I went to a, a, a show, Bluey Live. Real. Yes, Bluey Live. You know, it's a kid's show. Yeah, Dr. you told Phillips. us all about the Bluey. Yeah, I went to it. Went to Bluey Live. And there's a dog, I yeah, think. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a dog. Bluey Healer. Bluey, okay. Bluey's a dog. She's a dog. And Yeah, great show. Enjoyed it. I, nice. I, 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 Where was this at? This was at the uh, Dr. Phillips uh, Center. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. And a good time was had by all. A good time was had by all. Uh, so that was nice for this weekend. That was my nice weekend. But why are you... Uh, and your family, more specifically your daughter, had a really, really, she really had, nice weekend. She had a good week. Yeah. A really good week. Yeah. Congratulations are in order to her and to you, uh, a college graduate, officially. Yeah, Sarah Grace Wire, BSN. Yeah. You know, upgraded status from, you know, RN, which she achieved back in December. She had one class, essentially. Her whole semester was one class. No clinicals. All that stuff was already done. Um, but now she's, yes, hunting the next job. That's awesome. With the goal of being travel nurse. That, that's great. Congratulations to her, and, yeah. and that's uh, exciting uh, exciting news. There were like 1,100 students in the graduation. Yeah. And they took the nursing students last. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> uh, fun. 
Yeah. So it was good. I mean, they eleven hundred. They got them done in two hours. Yeah. That, hey, that's not bad. That I, isn't you know, bad. No, that's not bad at all. No, that, no that's I mean, not they, bad at all. They hustled. Who now? Who did they have speak at the graduation? I couldn't tell you her name. She was. Um, what is she? She's a. She's in private enterprise, but she's highly credentialed, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. And you know, she was. Uh, she had a very nice speech. I mean, she had you know a little bit of comedy in there, and yeah, good. Um, very good story. I mean, she grew up in Montana and was uh, poverty level. She holds now like three, you know, master's degrees and a doctorate and, you know, runs a, um, I don't know if it's a nonprofit, but she runs a uh, center for um, ex- getting, you know, finding ways to extend college to uh, first generation and right. low income, you know, uh, families. Excellent. And uh, yeah, so yeah, she was she was very good. So, where I I cannot tell you who spoke at my high my high school graduation, who spoke at my college graduation, or who spoke at my uh, graduate school graduation. I have no idea, but I can tell you who spoke at my brother's college graduation. Greg Norman. No, Dale Chihuly. You Why do you remember that? Because Dale Chihuly is this was I, I think he's passed on since. Uh, a a glass blowing artist, and if you go in the Orlando Museum of Art, there's this incredible, um, there's this incredible chandelier when you walk in, and they had a big Chihuly ex- exhibition a decade ago or something, and they they bought this this incredible chandelier of all this Chihuly blown glass and everything and and whatever. The reason why I remember it is because he had he played this video of him. Naked in a bathtub, throwing glass that he had blown into a river or something like that. You know, very, very artiste. Very, very artistic. And I'm thinking, because, I, you know, I'm younger than my brother. And, you know, I'm uh, probably, I don't know, 12 or something like that at the time or whatever it is. And I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong with this guy? And he looked like Norm from Cheers. Not, you didn't not, appreciate the arts. Yeah, not at the image. 12? No, not no. Think of Norm from Cheers, naked in a bathtub, throwing, you know, glass that you have blown. That's very artistic. Into I'd rather a, not. A river. Well, okay, then don't then don't go to your brother's graduation when Dale Chihuly is the uh, keynote speaker. Anyway, let's move on from that, and I'll try my hardest to get the, that image out of my mind uh, before we get into this. Uh, Always talk about a little bit about lacrosse. Um, the uh, Rollins men, congratulations to them. They are the number one team in the South region officially. Uh, really exciting stuff from them. So and that the, starts when? Uh, that that starts, they get a bye the first round. Uh, and they will be in action on Sunday the 14th. Uh, so I'll have the broadcast for that game. I'm looking will forward to that. Will there be games in town in the first round? Uh, I do not believe so. They get a bye in the first round, uh, and then they will uh, then host the um, – that second game. So at least they should. That's the way it should work. Is it 8, 16, 12? Say, uh, uh, nationally, it is 12 teams. So six from the south, six from the north. Okay. So six teams from the south competing against six teams from the north. Uh, the six teams, so one and two get a bye. Three plays four. Um, and three plays six, four plays five. Or three five. plays, yeah, yeah. Four plays five, three plays six. And Rollins will play the winner of a three and six, and um, you know they win the quarterfinal and the semifinal. National championships are being held in Philadelphia this year. Nice. 
Yeah. A Memorial Day weekend. So always. Yeah. And uh, I love know, that tradition. It, it is a great tradition. It is something really cool. You, you got Monaco. You've got you've got Monaco, Indy, and Lacrosse National Championship. Yeah. And even though, I mean, the women's tournaments have been getting a lot of air as well. So Yes, they have. I don't know where the women's lacrosse team is. I, I don't in, think they're ranked uh, they, we, as high as the men. We but. will find out in about nine minutes' time. Okay. The latest rankings, it's different than men's. They have four region in, regions in Division II, um, you know, north, south, east, and west kind of thing. Uh, south region, women were ranked top four of, of each region make it. Women were ranked at four in the south region. Kind of an interesting way. There's an, a very strong argument for them to be that four seed. Uh, there's some teams who might say, hey, maybe we should be that, but well, we can talk about that at a later date. I could go on for about 45 minutes about that, about why Rollins deserves to be that number four seed, and they should be. But we'll find out in about eight or nine minutes' time. But let's not talk about that, shall we? Let's talk about what's going on in our backyard. Um, at Bay and, Hill? Uh, no, not at Bay Hill. At uh, at Miami, uh, I know you are. You love Miami. Um, Miami I never is once your considered it my backyard. Miami though. is your kind of place. Uh, you are a Miami guy. Canes, baby. Yeah, um, that's the only reason. Yeah, I, look, Formula One racing in Miami. I went and looked at tickets, all that kind of stuff. They still had tickets available, um, kind of last minute. Just to see what is the number cheapest ticket I found, you know, three three day ticket, not and not the quote unquote campus pass that just you know kind of gets you in past the gates, which means you can I guess go hang out with the vendors and look maybe there's some great places you can watch from and all that kind of stuff, but especially at a street circuit. And if you've been to a street race before, you know that you don't have the same access. It's not like going to a race at a racetrack where you can walk around walk up and, you know, watch racing wherever you want. It's not like going to Daytona or Sebring or really any other track in the U.S. Le Mans is like this as well. Uh, however, it's just kind of these open spectator areas, but it's not like, you you know, it's all along the track or something like that. This, you know, kind of a street circuit, kind of not a street circuit. Uh, you know, it's in the parking lot of the Hard Rock um, um, Stadium uh, where the Dolphins play and everything. And... Look, if you want to be able to watch the cars, you're going to need a seat in the grandstands. Cheapest ticket I found. What do you think it was? Three days. Eighteen hundred. Exactly. Oh no, it's eighteen. Well, not quite. Eighteen hundred thirty-one dollars actually. Eighteen hundred thirty-one dollars. Practice on Friday, qualifying on Saturday, race on Sunday, and sleep in your car. Yeah. And and look, we we've talked about this before. This race is not for us. It's not for you and me. It's not for these, you know, passionate motorsports fans that love racing. And, it, you know, it's it's for well-heeled people. I guarantee you there is a lot of people who went to the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, hopped on the jet, and, you know, jetted on down to Miami for the race. Interesting observation. My, my youngest, Sarah, as we mentioned earlier, she's very knowledgeable about F1. She follows it. You know, the Netflix thing kind of got her going. My wife has watched it in the past, you know, so me being around it, doing the show and, you know, watching it every race weekend, she's kind of absorbed some of it, but sure. now she's gotten into it. She's She knows the names of the drivers. She knows the history of the drivers, you know, 
She can, you know, she appreciates certain personalities over others. You know, she's developed favorites and so forth. And, um, and she can joke about it, you know, in the same way I do. Uh, you know, she went and looked for tickets too. And, you know, again, ran into the same thing you did. We weren't ever planning on going, but she was curious. Yeah. One thing she did tell me that I didn't know, she says, there's a, you know what ton of TikTok influencers down there. Yeah. And that's all they're there for. And I said, perfect. Yeah. Just that's to, not uh, for me either. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't TikTok. <laughs> um, I, look, I'm, I'm too old to TikTok. But if, if your age starts, if your age starts with a, a three, you're too old to TikTok. Mine starts with a four. So I'm really too old to TikTok. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost not like that, though, because anybody who's on social media, it's just another extension of social media. Yeah. So maybe they put it out on TikTok and then it ends up on their Instagram and their Facebook and their Snapchat and all this other stuff. It's just it's another arm of the same tree. you know. Yeah. Well, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I think it's a very influencer heavy thing it's oh, yeah, a very it's perfect it's the place uh, yeah. to to be to be seen yes it is yes it is and you know I, I imagine a whole host of those people went down there to you know take pictures and take video yep. of being there without really having any knowledge or appreciation of what they're at it's just it's just it's like it's like you know a red carpet that you get invited to because it's the Met Gala. You're, you're semi-famous. Well, yeah, you know, you pay thirty five grand to go to that. Well, uh, yeah, but the, that was on Monday. By yeah, the way. yeah. The, uh, Danny oh, Ricardo was there. I know. And I, I saw on Instagram, not TikTok, because you're like Colonel Sanders. Yeah, I, I'm too good for TikTok. Remember, on Instagram. I don't TikTok. Yeah, either. yeah. Well, do you Instagram wire? I know oh, yeah. you Instagram. So uh, I saw on Instagram and Anne Hathaway. A wonderful actress walks up to Danny Ricardo. Oh my God, Danny Ricardo! I'm such a huge fan. He's like, Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> you know, this is this is things that I never thought I would see, kind of thing in the world of uh, in the world of Formula One. And as much as we might not, we might not like TikTok and whatever, and we might kind of you know scoff at some of the the influencer culture. Do you, do you follow uh, what is it? In- influencers in the wild or something like no. that? Oh, it's it's a really good Instagram follow. No, it's almost as good as I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong. It's like the University of North Dakota swimming and diving team. It's a Division three swimming and diving team in North Dakota, and it's called like the UNWC, whatever it is, Slam Cam, and it's just all of these people practicing diving, flat on the back, belly flops. It's it is. It is endless entertainment. It is like the best Instagram to follow because it's hilarious. It's good. Uh, it's just good stuff. The fail channels are yeah. are really popular. Yeah. Well, th- this this is a good one. But um, you know, the influencers in the wild stuff. I, I bet there's a lot of that stuff going on down there. And sure. as much as we might not like it, it puts a ton of eyeballs on the world of Formula One. There are a lot of celebrities there. You know, you had Will I Am conducting a uh, symphony. Uh, for the driver's in- introductions, which were handled by LL Cool J, which were driver's introductions, which we've never had in Formula One before. And it, we, we can get to all that kind of stuff and all the pomp and circumstance that has gone around the race. Uh, and, you know, look, F1 is trying to grow in the U.S. They are growing in the U.S. It is becoming a very, very 
It, it is becoming a popular sport. You know, race was aired on ABC today. How many times did we cut to commercial during the race, Wire? I have no idea because I didn't get to see it. <laughs> well, I did. None. I, you know, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty standard. Uh, well, it's standard now. It's standard now with ESPN and Sky Sports and everything, and it's standard now. Even IndyCar doesn't do it. NASCAR doesn't do it. Yeah. You know, they'll go side by side, but yep, none of that. They actually, you know, you're still seeing a commercial with no, you know, and, and watching the race with no sound. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what what they've what they've done and where the sport has come from when we started the show. Uh, 20 plus years ago to where we are now as leaps and bounds. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with that social media influencer. So as much as we might not like it, it's also a lot of the reason for the success of it. Uh, and by the way, I'll just let the cat out of the bag right now. 270,000 people there this weekend. 270,000 people. Well, you remember, Miami. I think last year they only had capacity for 85,000 on race day. Yeah. So that must have been, you know, marginally increased. And then, of course, you know, I mean, when I watched qualifying. There didn't seem to be no. a tremendous crowd during any of the FP, you know, FP one, two, three, or quali. So they must have really packed them in. They added the they added thirty plus thousand seats uh, to it. You know, one of the things they did, they moved all of the paddock area into Hard Rock Stadium itself, which I thought I thought that looked really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, you yeah, got all the, the you know, not the transporters, because they're not bringing transporters over from Europe, but all the hospitality suites and all that stuff for all the teams are all on the field, basically. Uh, it was cool. You had a lot of cross-promotion going on with, um, you know, the Dolphins and everything. Um, you look at, and, it, you know, a lot of players, there two of Tagovailoa's there and all that kind of stuff, and you look at him, and you know, you don't think of Tua, Tua as necessarily this giant athlete you know he's look he's a he's an incredible athlete but you don't look at Tua on the football field and think he is a giant human being you look at him next to a Formula One driver he is a giant human being he's I mean he's 6'3 and you know you know 200 something pounds great incredible athlete and all that kind of stuff he looks much smaller than that on the field he does next to uh next to an F1 driver Put him next to Yuki. Yeah, yeah. Next to Yuki, it's it's a it's a big difference. Um, uh, with that, some cool cross, cross cross promotion going on there, like that. You know, they do an excellent job of basically making everybody think that this is being held in Miami Beach as well. Uh, you know, it's down at South Beach. Everything is South Beach, South Beach, South Beach, Everglades, South Beach. You know, alligators, Everglades, South Beach. You know, sun, surf, you know, the glitz, the glam, all that kind of stuff. Stadium is not in South Beach. No, it's, what did we say, 35 miles north? Yeah, it's... it's of Miami, it, Miami Gardens or something? Yeah, yeah so. it, it, is, it is not um, South Beach. But, nonetheless, they do a good job of making it look like that. They actually had a little bit of water in the, you know, quote-unquote marina this year. I can't believe they called it a marina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty wild. It might have been fewer boats, I think, in the marina. But they, I mean, in during the race, mm-hmm. when they were commentating on, you know, so and so is following so and so headed toward the marina section. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, you guys didn't do that. <laughs> it's now officially the marina the section. Marina cardboard water. Yeah, plywood water. And and, and that that's a great real boats. Ex- real boats. Real boats. Real expensive yeah. boats too. Plywood water. But yes, th- that is just a perfect example of this race, right? 
and it doesn't offend me anymore. I, you know, it, it did at first. I thought it was silly and stupid and everything, but you know, it just is what it is, and and so be it. You know, we're gonna have this race in Miami and the glitz and glam of Miami. It's like that ain't and. This is us being from Florida and being to Miami, you know, more than a handful of times over the course of our lives and going, that stadium ain't in Miami. That stadium is not in South Beach. Like, this is not, like, we want to go race at South Beach, Biscayne Bay, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever. This is not that. And quite frankly, we turned our noses up at this kind of thing. This is kind of, this is silly. They have done an excellent job of bringing that in. You know, the fake marina, everybody thought it was ridiculous. And now, hey, it is what it is. Look, you go spend an ungodly sum of money, you rent the boat out, you sit in the boat, and, you know, you watch the race from the boat, and so be it. That's the deal. And it's this, you know, Formula One racetrack built in a, you know, parking lot for a football stadium. It looks good. You know, it raced halfway decent today. Heck of a lot better than Baku did a week ago, that's for sure. And you know what? It is what it is. Maybe this is the way Formula One is going. Look, the purists are never going to like that we do stuff like this. Um, you know, they don't care about seeing Will I Am and LL Cool J and you know Vena, uh, um, uh, Venus and Serena Williams and you know Roger Federer and all that kind of stuff. They don't care about seeing those people at the track. They don't care about the you know, influencers there and seeing it on social media and all that kind of stuff. It, you know, the, the purists of Formula One probably wish that would go away. Wish we could go back to the olden days of Formula One when it used to be good. Well, it's pretty darn good right now. It's pretty popular. It's pretty successful. That's a good thing. And this is the new way of Formula One under new ownership, under new whatever it is. And it's here to stay. And, you know, we can either fight against it and lose or we can embrace it and move on and say you know what i thought it was really cool i like it so i like well, it my opinion on that is you're right i mean they're doing things that are um certainly miami specific uh miami centric if you will um, and, and i'm not opposed to that um you know miami has a lifestyle and you know, an aura about it that is different than your typical Formula One venue. Yeah. Um, my, and I'm not even offended by the ticket prices anymore because it's not a race that I'm really ever going to want to go to. Yeah. Even though it's in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I'm not super hyped about the track. You know, it, it may race well. And, and if it's just not, there's not really the, you know, the draw. Call me a purist if you want. It's not necessarily that. Um, I just don't get amped about it. Yeah. So, you know, would I want to take the same money and go see a race at Silverstone in the middle of the English countryside? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, traditional Formula One trade. Love to go to Monza. Love to go to Imola. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know that it's a purist bent, but if they do, if they decide that this is the way to go and they do something hokey and comical and stuff to, and they te did. to Texas... Oh. then, you know, I might have a little stronger feeling about it. I don't have any strong feelings about Miami because it doesn't take, you know, people that want to go there know what they're getting. That's what they're going for. That's the attraction. You know, perhaps Texas can be a different fan. And it can be 400-plus thousand of those different fans that are, you know, more yeah. similar in their mindset to, toward, to me. And, you know, we can go hang amongst ourselves in Texas and we can let the – Fans that want to go to Miami, go to Miami. And with the fans that 
want to go to Vegas, go to Vegas. I imagine Vegas is going to be much like Miami, mm-hmm. um, except at night. And so as long as it doesn't turn into every race has to be like this, then I don't really have a problem with it. But we'll see because I think, you know, the marketing types are going to say, wow, this was Miami. This was a tremendous success. Look at all the butts in the seats and look at all the TV time and look at the the ratings and all this stuff. We've got to do this for every race. Right. And I don't think it works at every race. Well, I don't think it does, but but I will also say, and, and a, a little bit challenge to you on this, is that Texas kind of started this stuff in a way. Texas kind of started a lot of this stuff, you know, who shows up with the with the you know winners trophies or whatever you know the 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 cup when you win? Shack in this giant Cadillac kind of thing, uh, you know, with with horns that are eight feet wide, you know, stapled onto the Cadillac. You know, Texas eight years ago or whatever it was said, look, we we need more people here at the race or at at qualifying. You know what we're gonna do? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's gonna perform. Hey, you buy a ticket to the race, you get to see Taylor Swift. So there's a ton of people showing up in Texas, specifically not for the race. They want to go see Taylor Swift or, you know, I mean, they've had a lot of big name acts perform there over the years uh, on the Saturday uh, of the race. And people are showing up, uh, you know, whatever, Formula One. I don't care about that. I want to go see Taylor Swift and I can go see Taylor Swift or whatever for a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks kind of thing. So they are, you know, attracting more people into Formula One. And maybe, look, not everybody's going to go there who's a Taylor Swift fan and go, oh, this Formula One thing, I love it now. But maybe some of them are going to go there and go, um, hey, that that was kind of cool. Maybe one in ten, maybe two in ten, maybe half of them. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to watch the next, next race kind of thing. So Texas has started a lot of that kind of stuff. Um yeah, I think the the need for, you know, the celebrity angle actually was I think it was more for the celebrities than it was for the race. Right. Because Monaco has always had that. But I, Monaco not everybody gets in. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just a very small compact event and you know, not everybody can make it. Not everybody gets there where it may be easier for them to go to Miami and so forth and you know, frankly, you're right that in that Texas started that, you know, I mean, when we were there in 2012, there was virtually nobody there. You know, when we walked the grid. Yeah. There wasn't really anybody there to speak of, not not in, you know, in high numbers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they did bring in a little bit of celebrity. And, you know, the Shaq thing is everything's big in Texas. Mm-hmm. That Cadillac is enormous. The trophy's enormous. Shaq's enormous. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it all fits. Um to me, it's, you know, it's barely hokey, but it's not the whole weekend isn't centered around that stuff. I, yeah, you're you're right. And and hokey um, isn't necessarily the right term, but it's it's something new and novel that Texas did a lot of uh, and, you know, put butts in seats. Concerts make perfect sense. It does. I would have no problem with that. And you look at that and you kind of go, why why haven't other races done this? Why don't they, you know, have – I don't I, I don't know who the big, you know, draw is in, in Azerbaijan, but why don't they have a, you know, a concert there in Baku? Why why don't they do this everywhere? Well, it is a great idea. 
um, that they do this. But it's different from the traditional era of Formula One. Sure. It is just it is a different thing to do. Um, now I, I'm with you. I like you know I like the style in Texas a little bit better um, than I than I like the style in Miami. But that's just me. I'm just not a Miami guy. And you know hey, whatever. I, by the way, I think Miami is now the star-studded race. I do not think it is Monaco anymore. I think it is Miami. You could we will be right. And look, there's room for two of them. Yeah. I, you I, know. Just, I, I would really, and I'm fine with it again. I just would rather not see the bleed over into, you know, certain aspects of it, the concerts and whatever, no problem, because that doesn't really take away from anything. All that stuff happens when the cameras get turned off and, you know, you go on into the nighttime and whether it's Saturday night or Sunday night after the race, yeah, I mean, it happens. It, it draws people, but it's not necessarily what shows up as the product on television. Speaking of that, I, I want to talk about this. They did driver introductions of, with Will I Am directing a symphony, uh, and LL Cool J reading a little bit about each driver. Oh, you know, he hails from he hails from England. He's the seven-time world champion. Please welcome to the grid, Lewis Hamilton. You know that sort of thing. Something that I've never seen in Formula One. That if you look at the 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 comments on what Autosport has said about it. Um, to borrow a a word from the from the TikTok generation, cringe, not cringe worthy, just cringe. Oh, so cringe! It's very cringe. I'm I'm not going to use that because I'm not an idiot, not an imbecile. Um, but it was it cringe worthy watching the driver introductions. Yeah, it was a little cringe worthy. But you know what? It's something different. They're trying something new. They're getting people excited. I guess, you know, maybe not necessarily at home on the TV, but I bet if you're there, you know, it's kind of cool to watch them walk out and do all that kind of stuff. They do it for the Indy 500. They do it for the Daytona 500. They, you know, do these player introductions and all that kind of stuff. It's a very common thing here. I guess not very common in European sports. It's, it's a hype moment. It's, yeah. And I thought it was fine. More of it. Yeah. Give I mean, me more of that kind of it, stuff. It's, it, there's kind of a dichotomy there, too, because the same people that might be, form, you know, your reserved, mm-hmm. you know, traditionalist Formula One fan in Europe are the same people that show up at a soccer match and scream and chant and yell and lose their minds and get drunk and just get rowdy mm-hmm. for an entire 90-minute match. Yeah. And then they'll, you know, they'll look at, you know, the Miami race and they'll see, you know, 10 minutes of driver introductions with a little bit of hype music and so forth. And they'll say, well, you know, that doesn't have any place in sports yeah. <laughs> without recognizing, you know, the, lacking the self-awareness to yeah. really appreciate, you know, what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, look, it, if you watch the coronation all day on Saturday, um, you're probably not going to be a big fan of driver introductions and stuff. Is it silly? Yes. Is it cringeworthy? Yeah. To some extent, is it, is it different? Yes. Does it appeal to some people? Yes. I, was it was it fine? Was it exciting at times? Yeah. Did I did I like it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was I thought it was fine. I liked it. You know, I had too too much of F one for years has been just like, you know, see if you can catch somebody on the grid, see what they can say, you know, before the race, and then they just go racing. You know, hey, we see all the drivers before the race. They come out. Take the pictures, do whatever, and then anthem. By the way, what, can we get a flyover 
at Miami? Why not? Why don't we have a flyover? I'd say by year three we're due a flyover. I think so. I think so. So maybe they think the you know the motorsport fan. Well, I say motorsport fans, Formula One fans wouldn't appreciate it. We had one in Texas, did we not? I think we have. Yeah, I think we did. I don't know. Flyover's cool. Look, get the Thunderbirds, get the Blue Angels, get whoever down I there. I want to see the Thunderbirds of the Blue Angels, and I love what they do in Le Mans with the colored smoke. Yeah, out the you know to match the yep. flag, and so I think we should do it. Uh, yeah, and you ever watch the um, um, Tour de France? Not really. Uh, they they the the French whatever the French jet team is does the same thing at the Tour de France on the last stage. And it's it's one of these things that's just so cool to see. You know, leaders in this bicycle race on the Champs-Élysées, you know, riding down, and here comes this French jet team with a tricolor, you know, coming out. And just like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Why we can't have some, Why we can't have a flyover, I don't know, but we need one. So, all right, flyover, we need that. Uh, that'll really throw everybody off. No, yeah. I think that's an American tradition. We got to have it. It is. It is. We got three races in the U.S. now. I think we need to fly over. Um, why are, let's get to qualifying since we're 45 minutes in now and, and haven't really um, talked about it yet. Um, but we had an interesting qualifying. We had a really mixed up you know, practice sessions. We had a new track surface there um, this year. They repaved everything. Uh, so hey, okay, look. smooth as glass. Yeah, uh, and the the track looked great. They repainted all the green paint everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Looks good. Why can't those guys pave my neighborhood? I don't know. We just had some work done. Mm-hmm. You know, the paving was generally garbage. Really, we need, we need the Miami guys. Yeah, well, they they it looks like they did a good job, but they did a good. They had to repave it because apparently the people who did your neighborhood built the track originally. Yeah, probably. and and they had some major major issues with the track itself. Um, but nonetheless, new track surface, new configuration of the chicane that runs underneath the turnpike, and in general, I like the configuration better. I didn't really notice any difference. Not a huge difference. Um, you know, some tech pro barriers here and there, all that kind of stuff. And and I did notice the difference that every nobody was complaining about the track surface. Yeah, I did know. I did notice okay, that. And it didn't uh, early on in in free practice didn't have a lot of grip. Yeah, uh, look, it's a brand new track surface. It is green. Um, and well, you know, I mean, they've got that SCCA rate race three weeks before there, right? I mean. Nobody else runs here. That's one of the issues that you're going to have with any time you race at a circuit like this that only has one race a year. It's always going to be green. It's always going to be a green track. So with that, um, you know, you got to lay down a ton of rubber. Every, you know, track is changing, you know, by the minute, basically. Lots of different stuff going on in, in, in practice and qualifying what was pretty clear early on was that it looked like I mean it looked like at one point that you know the Mercedes might not make it out of Q1 even they were struggling so much in qualifying Logan Sargent home you know local boy done good no bad for the guy he is up there you know he is up there has a great time he's in like 13th position you know which is great for Williams it's like Logan Sargent's gonna make it into Q2 he is gonna make it into Q2 here, you know, he comes in, you know, brings the car in the pits. Everybody says, all right, great lap. You know, you're doing good out there. And all of a sudden he's 14th and 15th. 
Oh, then he gets bumped to 16th and then bump, 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 bump. Dead last for Logan Sargent. Bumped all the way back to 20th, starting dead last in his home Grand Prix. Grew up, you know, 15 miles away kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, starting dead last from your home Grand Prix. Not where you want to start, but nonetheless, the, the you know, Mercedes and everything were able to make it out. However, those issues continued. Lewis Hamilton qualified 13th, knocked out in Q2. When's the last time we saw Lewis Hamilton knocked out in Q2? I probably should have looked that up, but I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. It's, Interesting, the, um, you know, I don't want to blow Lance Stroll's horn, but he is in an Aston Martin. Yeah. Out in Q1. Yeah, that was surprising too. That was surprising too. Um, then you go to, to Q3, and what you had in Q3 was just a great example of what, of how, you have to run Q3. We've talked about this how many times, Wire? There Every isn't time anybody, I don't think there's not a major team that hasn't been caught out. Yeah. Like this. You got to get it. You got to bank a lap. First thing you have to do in Q3, you have to bank a lap. You got, you got 10 minutes out there. You need to bank a lap. Bank a lap. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, Max Verstappen did not bank a lap. He he was on a flyer, on a great run, but he made a mistake. He made an error. It wasn't like, you know, nobody else caused this issue. He made an error on his first qualifying run, so he didn't bank it. So did he go and say, okay, I'm going to go for another lap? No, 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 no. Coming in, we're going to put all of our eggs into that next lap basket. We're going to put all of our eggs in that basket. Session continues. Leclerc goes out, Leclerc shunts the car, red flag comes out, there's like a minute and 20 seconds left, which means you're not going to get around, you know, the session goes green, you're not going to get around to start a lap in a minute and 20 seconds, it's over. That's it. No more Q3 with, you know, a minute and 20 seconds left. That's how we're going to finish, and Max Verstappen, because the red flag came out, never set a time in Q3. No time set by him. Also no time set by Valtteri Bottas, uh, but uh, Max was faster in Q2. He was the fastest car in Q2, the fastest car in Q1, and he ends up starting in ninth position because he didn't bank a lap. you got to bank the lap. you, you got to do it. If you have the issue on that first run, stay out, do another lap. And I know it's there's, you know, oh, we got to do the tires, do this, do whatever. you just got to put a lap in. Well, Q1, Q2 is a little bit easier because you have an extra, you know, two to five minutes to just, you know, come back in, look over the car, whatever his mistake was, if you got to replace a set of tires, and just go back out there and and nail one, whatever it is, just get it on the paper. Yeah. And then, you know, you come back in and then you wait for that last moment as the, tra the track ramps up with grip and so forth like it traditionally does. Um, but yeah, they didn't do that. They, and you know, if, if you're Red Bull and you're so used to Max just calmly going out at, you know, and they, they did it with Vettel too, calmly going out on the very last run and, you know, securing the pole by two or three tenths, you know, you get used to it. You get comfortable. Yeah. And with no threat of rain, which is another factor that generally will drive, you know, the, the, the necessity for having a banker lap 
there was no issue with weather coming, so they didn't have to, that, that to factor in. But it caught him out. It did. It, it caught him out, and Max is going to start from ninth position. His teammate, Sergio Perez, however, tell you how quick the car is on the pole, uh, on the pole by about four-tenths of a second. Uh, Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin right next to him. Carlos Sainz uh, in third for Ferrari. Kevin Magnussen in fourth. You want to talk about the person who is the benefit of that Charles Leclerc uh, shunt. Kevin Magnussen 100%. starting in fourth position. Alpine, Pierre Gasly starting in fifth. Uh, George Russell and Mercedes in, starting in sixth. Charles Leclerc in seventh, who caused the red flag. Uh, but he got a banker lap in. And, um, you know, starting in seventh, Alpine, Esteban Ocon in eighth, Max Verstappen starting ninth. Valtteri Botas also not able to uh, turn in time starting in 10th position. So we know going into this thing, okay, we've got Lewis Hamilton starting in 13th. We've got uh, Max Verstappen starting in 9th. We are going to see some action here on race day because they're going to have to be coming up the grid. This is going to be an exciting race. Yeah, and you had some people that are not normally yeah. you know, that far up. Fernando on the front row, uh, Mags and Kevin K-Mag in 4th. Um, both Alpines, interestingly enough, um, in the top 10 to start the race. You remember Ocon was one of the cars in Baku that famously went like 49 laps on a set of hard tires. Yeah. And, you know, the, the strategy didn't work out. Uh, they did that kind of out of necessity. But here, you know, legit speed, both cars in the top 10. Yeah, they, they look fast. The Alpine has kind of come to life and and. The other thing that we were thinking about coming into this race is that, hey, this is a kind of a different track, but it's also kind of similar to Baku in some ways as well. Um, look, the straight's not as long. The tight turns, I guess maybe the tight turns are as tight. Um, I think it's more like Saudi Arabia to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, but, look, you got some incredibly high high speeds, you know, 215, 220 miles an hour along the straightaway, three DRS zones, lots of opportunities for passing. You know, they shortened some of the zones a little bit here, um, but we actually had some action today as opposed to Baku, uh, and I'm looking right for that first corner, right for that first corner, right for that start of the race. Uh, but before that, one other thing I want to talk about on the grid walk with um, uh, Martin um, Brundle. Brundle. You remember last year he uh, saw – Paulo, uh, who he won Rookie of the Year. He's the player for the Magic. Paulo Benchero. I, I can never pronounce his name properly. Um, it's the only person I know who plays for the Magic. Well, he he mistook him for Patrick Mahomes last year. Oh no. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of whatever ensued, and uh, you know, apologies, and he felt mortified and everything, and and I'm sure. And, and he said he Martin Brundle said many times he hates doing those things. They're great. But he hates the grid walk. Yeah. Well, how did they start off the broadcast today? With Paulo Ponchero and him saying, you know, and Paulo said, hey, no big deal. I won rookie of the year this year. So, hey, thanks a lot. You know, do, let's do it again. Maybe I'll maybe I'll win MVP next year kind of thing. So, yeah, nice. keep calling me Patrick Mahomes kind of thing. Uh, so I thought that was a nice, uh, nice way to, to start off the broadcast. And, yeah, you know, for sure. I thought that was cool. Uh, so all water under the bridge, and everybody can have a laugh about it now, um, kind of thing. But um, nonetheless, uh, we we get to the grid, and I'm thinking, okay, on the grid, 
I cannot wait to see what Alonzo is going to throw on Sergio. I'm really looking forward to this. You know, Alonzo has been a fantastic starter his entire career. Sergio has been good, but he's not Fernando Alonso. Yes, he has been inconsistent. What is going to happen going into this first corner? You know, we could see tons of drama here. Um, you got some other cars up there that are not normally there, and it's one of those things where you're starting back in 12th or something normally. You know, you can't you can't look up to the corner and go, I can make that gap. I, I I can get up there. You know, you start in third or fourth, fourth. You know, Haas. You know, you start in fourth. When you're on the grid, there is one car in front of you. There's one car in front of you. At you know when the lights go out. That that's an opportunity to say I can eyes, do something crazy your, here. Your eyes get big. Yes, they do. <laughs> You're asking to get really big. And I'm thinking, all right, what's K-Mag going to do here? What's Alonzo going to do on Checo? And what we had is we had a great start from Checo. Alonzo was not able to challenge. Um, And the one thing Alonzo is is he's a very smart driver, uh, and he's not going to pull that move, that dive bomb crazy maneuver that has, you know, a half of a 1% chance of succeeding. He's going to, you know, live to race another lap kind of thing. And he, he didn't. He didn't make that crazy dive bomb move on Checo. And, uh, you know, slotted in line. Carl Sainz got a good start. Kevin Magnussen got a good start. Everybody seemed to kind of get a good start for the most part. Actually, K-Mag, I think, struggled a little bit off the line. But everybody got a pretty decent start. And there wasn't that high drama moment uh, at the start, which we were all kind of anticipating because of the mixed up nature of the grid. Yeah, it was clean, you know, for the most part. Everybody got through. It's it's a fairly tight right-hander um, with a little uphill, you know, uh, on approach. So it's not, it's kind of unique in that regard to, you know, compared to other Formula One tracks. But, you know, interestingly enough, and sadly, in, in some regards, the only guy that really got punished was the guy scarting dead last. Yeah, Logan Sargent. Uh, he got his wing all messed up and had to come in for a new wing. Uh, did he run into the back of Oscar Piastri? I believe one? he did. Yeah. yeah, and you know Oscar or, Piastri Orlando, was, one of the two. Uh, yeah, was 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 fine. Ended up being okay. Um, you know the car was fine, but you know knocked it pretty good. And Logan Sargent had to come in, get a new wing, head back out there, and um, you know it, you, you're hoping why are one day, one day, we are going to hear. Our national anthem on the podium again. It's been since, I think, 83 since an American has won a race. It's not going to be this year from Logan Sargent. That would have been a good prediction yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's just it's just not going to happen. Not going to happen this year. I looked at it's his first year in Formula One. He's getting better. A lot of pressure racing. I mean, home race and not home race, home country. I mean, right. hometown. Exactly. Um, he did not have a great weekend. Would have liked for it to be better, um, but it just—it it was not a great weekend for Logan Sargent. No, uh, and you know what I think we've talked about in the past is, you know, there's a a good portion of the American motorsports fan that would get behind an American driver mm-hmm. if it was somebody who had the ability, the means, the opportunity to race at the front. 
and, you know, perhaps stand on that top step at some point. Um, you know, a Colton Herta or somebody like that um, yeah. could easily capture, you know, the, the, the hearts of the motorsports fans in this country and, you know, really drive that, uh, that home. I just, Logan Sargent in a Williams is not that guy. No, it's not. And he could be in five years in yeah. you know, a different team. But right now, you know, he's just getting his feet wet. And this is, uh, you know, it's a pretty rough introduction to Formula One uh, being in not the best car, but doing not the greatest job either. Meanwhile, your, you know, your teammate in the same equipment is running, you know, a good bit up the, the grid away from you and you know you can't seem to match him yeah alex alexander albon is basically an elder statesman uh compared to logan sergeant logan sergeant um but you know logan sergeant started dead last and finished dead last today uh it's just unfortunate alexander albon his teammate finished in 14th um you know the most we heard out of logan sergeant was getting that wing change uh, and that you know, look, that that's the brakes, and unfortunately, it broke that way for him. And sometimes it just works out like that. And just it was not his weekend. Hopefully, he can get the nerves gone. Uh, you know, get all that kind of out of there, and and, and hopefully, he can start you know performing. Well, and he's never raced at that facility before. This yeah. is his rookie rookie year in Formula One and rookie uh, event at the track. Yeah, so. You know, the kid's spent all his life racing in Europe, so, you know, perhaps Silverstone or Monza or someplace is a little more to his liking, and the familiarity of that will help him, and we'll see. But yeah. Yeah, this is not his weekend. So as the race goes on, um, we had what is the candidate now, the leader in the clubhouse for pass of the year, um, and that is a pass of Kevin Magnuson and Max Verstappen on Charles Leclerc. About five or six laps in, you know, here comes Max Verstappen. Kevin Magnuson kind of gets shuffled back a little bit in the first couple laps, and then maybe we're 10 laps in or whatever it is. Uh, but they get into the toe on Charles Leclerc. One goes to one side, one goes to the other, you know, both right on by Leclerc. It was, it, it was, it was, it was fun. It was it exciting. Was, it was. I mean, you know, they both had DRS, you know, Max, obviously the – the Red Bull and DRS is a superior piece of machinery. Um, but getting a toe behind two cars straight away out of that last corner going down the front straightaway, yep. you know, he had to go. He, you know, Max had a, a six or a seven second gap to Checo, um, and he was going long on his hard tires. So he had to make something, you know, he had to close that gap in a hurry, which would have opened up, you know, his pit windows, um, to to allow a better you know the team to imply a better strategy, and yeah. and the strategy that worked out um, was okay. Checo gets away; he's unchallenged by Alonso. Uh, he starts you know building that lead. You know one, it's over a second. Uh, you know at the end of the first lap, two, three. You know about four and a half seconds or so, whatever it is, uh, and it, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, nobody's able to challenge him. Uh, and then here comes Max Verstappen. Uh, however, you've got Sergio Perez, who starts on medium tires. Max Verstappen starting on the hard tires. Max is basically getting past everybody. We had that, you know, exciting pass 
that's made on Charles Leclerc. All the other passes are basically just these identical kind of DRS passes. You know, gets in behind them. The Red Bull is just, it's got more power. It's slicker through the air. It just runs down cars on straightaways and drives by. Yeah, what's, what was neat was the uh, the helicopter views. We had a lot of them, yeah. you know, going down. It wasn't necessarily going down the long, you know, dead nut straight. Yeah, walked down the front straight. straight. It was it was down the front straightaway, yeah. and then you know the <clears throat> middle sector of the the course is this you know Saudi esque kind of winding straightaway where they're totally flat out, but it's just this you know kind of curving you know road section, and once once Red Bull flips the DRS switch. They're it's just gone. like they're shot out of a cannon. And you can see the closing rates. The closing rate of the Mercedes on the Ferrari is subtle. I mean, it really is. It's noticeable, but it's subtle. When Red Bull hits the hits the DRS, the closing rate is astronomically faster. It's, so, it's something like 17 kilometers an hour that they have an advantage yeah, and, on. You know, it's the, crazy. The, the driver being chased down can't defend, and, and in a lot of cases they didn't. Yeah. Um, whether that was, you know, orders from the team, hey, Max, this is not your fight. Just let him go. Don't worry about it. That kind of thing. Um, but even if they wanted to put up a fight, what do you do? You know, you block him inside. The guy goes around you on the outside. He's clear of you by the braking zone. Yeah. So <laughs> what are you going to do? This isn't You're defenseless. A case. Yeah, this isn't last of the late breakers here. This no. is just no. motor right on by you. Um, I, and I, I, I've, you know, you know, we've both raced at an amateur level, and I've been passed by people who just got more power, who just got more motor. Sure. And you just you can't do anything about it. I mean, there's nothing that you can do that's un- go- going to overcome a power deficiency, that's un- going to overcome a huge discrepancy in top speed. You, you just can't. You just can't overcome it. Yeah. And, you know, they know it. Yeah. Now it's it's odd because you know your racing and my racing involved multi multi class racing, and a lot of times the guy that was motoring you wasn't you weren't directly competing with him. No, but I've I've also been motored by cheated up cars well, that I have been true. competing with. But anyway, that's a different story. I raced you know when I when I raced my Mustang, I raced against GT one cars. Yeah. Now I was not in the GT one class, but we were on the track together. So yeah, I know what it's like to to get out of the way of one of those rocket ships coming up on you because. Yeah. You know, you're you're not going to defend, and there's no reason to. And I'm sure, you know, the drivers, even though they're directly competing against the Red Bulls, the you know the the pits calling in saying it's not your fight today. You just can't do it. You just can't compete with it. And you somebody who's going, yeah. I mean, somebody who's going, you know, eleven or twelve miles an hour faster than you. You know, when when somebody blows by you on the highway, you're going, whoa, how fast were they going? Typically going like six or seven miles an hour faster than you. You know, uh, you know, in a Formula One car at 200 miles an hour, the difference between doing 210 or whatever it is and 190 or 195 is huge, is huge. Uh, and that's what we're seeing with the Red Bull. Max gets, you know, up behind Sergio, but, you know, he, he can't close him down. Sergio is on the, on the mediums. He has to come into pit, comes in, pits, goes back out. You know, Max is out there on these hard tires. Running laps, you know, trying to build that lead up, and he's not able to. You know, Sergio comes in, puts on the hard tires. Uh, so Max is on a used set of hards. Sergio is on a new set of hards. He's not able to get that gap. 
He's not able to really build up that gap so that he can come in, pit, has to come in and pit, put on the mediums, get back out, get out there in front of Sergio. You know, eventually race, you know, evolves. He comes in, he pits, comes back out, medium set of tires, and he's about four or five seconds. Not a great pit stop from Red Bull. Um, almost a second off of Checo's pace on the on the pit stop. Goes back out there and he's, you know, four or five seconds trailing Sergio Perez, and I'm thinking, this could be some good stuff. You got Fernando Alonso in third, and, and I'm looking at my wife, and I go, hey, we could see Alonso come through victorious here. We could see, you know, Checo trying to close the door when the horse is halfway out the barn kind of thing, this whole thing ending in tears for both these guys. And Max runs him down in about a lap and a half and just motors right on by. You know, medium tires against used hard tires, it's just not a challenge. It's just not going to be a challenge. Uh, it wasn't really a challenge. Made, it would make no sense for Sergio to put up a fight because the fight would just end in tears. And isn't it ironic that Max's mistake in Q3, which, you know, saw him starting ninth, actually gave him the better of the two strategies. Yeah, it That's is. It's so wild. It is wild. I Yes, it is absolutely wild that his mistake led to this strategy. Um, you know, okay, what are we going to do? Well, look, you can start on hard tires. You're going to run long and, uh, you know, work your way up the field, see what you can do, and then – you know, hey, you're going to have to make some passes here at the end. Well, all of that played out exactly as it should have for Max, um, exactly as he wanted to, and it was a you know successful successful race. If I'm Sergio Perez, I'm I'm telling my team, I want to start on hearts. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start in the back of the field because here's the other thing that we learned: nobody can compete with the Red Bulls. Nobody can come close to competing with the Red Bulls right now. And I, and I thought this track might be different. Okay, Monaco might be different here in, in a couple weeks kind of thing. But it ain't different now. And I don't see anything out there. Maybe Monaco. Maybe Hungara Ring. Have we, we've never had a season where one constructor wins every single race. Never. Why are this could be the year? It could be. It's still early days. It is. My my thing is I'm kind of with you in that if I was Sergio, <laughs> I would want to be on the exact same tire strategy as Max because I know that I have a nine-grid spot lead Yeah, and we're on the same tire strategy. And if I'm leading at the time of the pit stops, I get first choice. So I have every advantage – so giving up a little bit of grip off the line with the hard tires at the start really doesn't matter because I know that the Red Bull is superior. So even if Fernando starts on the mediums and beats me to turn one, within two laps I'm going to get him. Yeah. So it really doesn't cost me anything. Yep. And so why they didn't do that, Christian Horner was actually, to their credit, they asked him about this, and he swore up and down that, the simulations all backed up the strategy that they started Sergio on, that starting on the medium was going to be the superior way to go. And I'm thinking, really? Did they? Did they? Yeah, it is a valid question. 
It's a very valid question. Um, and if I'm Checo, I go in after the race and, you know, he, he was magnanimous after the race. And I, you know, look, hey, congratulations to Max. He drove a great race. He deserved to win today. I'm also going in there and I'm saying, all right, guys, you, you can't keep doing this to me. If you, you know, you, you cannot put me on a subpar strategy anymore. I'm going to refuse to drive. I'm re I am on the same strategy as Max moving forward. And and the argument would be, well, you know, we can split the strategies. You know, what happens if Mercedes or Aston Martin or Ferrari challenges us? Guess what? They're not challenging. There's nobody who can challenge. So if I'm Checo, I would insist upon being on the exact same strategy as Max. And maybe you maybe that means you take a hit in qualifying. Maybe that means you qualify fifth. Doesn't matter. Here's the other thing, too, that was really surprising to me in that I watched all, uh, well, I watched two out of the three practices. Never once was there a mention of anybody on a long run suffering from graining on the medium compound tires. And yet here we, you know, we, we heard from Sergio that, yeah, the, you know, the first set of tires, you know, grained up on us and we lost a little bit of pace until the graining went away on heavy fuel. I'm sorry, you guys do long fuel runs. Did nobody ever saw this graining didn't appear? And if it did appear, how did all how did that soft tire or that medium tires win in the simulation, you know, uh, simulations to be superior strategy to starting on the hard tire? Yeah. I just there's a lot of questions that I have that yep. know, I don't deserve answers to, but it does mean it's not curious to me. You know, I, I I'm not going to go out there and say Red Bull did Sergio dirty here. Um, but they got the strategy wrong. They got his strategy pick wrong and woefully wrong. Uh, you know, the strategy was, you know, start on hards, start back in the pack, uh, and, and switch to mediums. And, and if that's it, then that's it. And Checo's just, you got to be on the same strategy as Max moving forward. And I, I I do think he can challenge Max. I, I think wheel-to-wheel -wheel Max is probably a better driver. But on any Sunday, I think Checo can can, can challenge him. But and certainly at a track like this. Yeah, absolutely at a track like this. But, you know, you, you have 25-plus, you know, lap old hard tires against brand new, you know, heated up and ready to go medium tires on light fuel loads, anybody's going to be able to, you know, challenge a Checo. Um, and Mac is, Max is going to make mincemeat of you. And that's what happened. So we didn't have that big, exciting finish in there, all that kind of stuff. Max Verstappen goes on to win um, the Miami Grand Prix. His teammate, uh, Checo, finished in second position. Uh, a mere 26 seconds in front of third place, Fernando Alonso. Um, I still get the feeling that, you know, I, hey, if they said, I, I think, I still think Red Bull is quite frankly holding back a bit here. I think if they wanted to go faster, they could. I think if they said, you know, I think they are probably managing them down in some way, shape, or form to keep that gap only at 20-some-odd seconds. Well, I don't know why you would. I mean, there, there's two aspects to winning dominant in dominant fashion, and Mercedes you know, showed us that over the recent history. 
they're not going to change the rules in the middle of the season. The spec is the well, spec. We, ha- we, we have before. Over what? I mean, over double, double diffuser, diffuser. Double but diffusers, F-Ducks. Yeah, but see, nobody. we're all the same spec now. Nobody's really complaining about something that Red Bull you know, has that it, nobody else has that's on the margins of the rule set. Nobody's complaining that. They're just saying the car is just way better. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit in the powertrain and a little bit in the gearbox and a little bit in the aero and all this stuff. But when you put it, you know, all down on track, it's a far superior piece. Yeah. I don't hear anybody claiming that, you know, the car is somehow illegal or, you know, there's one aspect of the car or the other that needs to be looked at. It's just a better package. Yeah. So, the you know, the, the one thing is you don't have to worry about necessarily um, holding back. And, you know, winning dominantly has the the same purpose of demoralizing your opponent, you know, just as it would demoralizing your teammate by beating him by, you know, 10 or 12 seconds. Uh, so we mentioned Fernando Alonso, last step of the podium there uh, for Aston Martin in third. George Russell in fourth for Mercedes. Carlos Sainz in fifth. For Ferrari, Lewis Hamilton in sixth for Mercedes. Uh, you know, hey, started in thirteenth, made up seven positions. Good for him. He had a great drive today. Charles Leclerc seventh for Ferrari. A uh, whole bunch of nothing really out of him. Uh, the Alpines uh, finished eighth and ninth respectively. Pierre Gasly followed up by Esteban Ocon and Kevin Magnussen in the Haas finished in tenth. Uh, the Haas getting uh, a point at its home Grand Prix. Uh, it's always uh, nice to see. So you know. Wire, I, look, it, it was a much more exciting race than um, than Baku. I, I think I would say it's maybe more exciting than last year too. I enjoyed watching it on TV. Still don't want to go, um, but you know, hey, I, I, the other thing, once we get this train up and running to Miami, and I can be in Miami in three hours. Maybe that'll change my tune. Yeah, uh, it might be different. You know, being you know less than three hours, and you know, pay whatever it is, eighty bucks, a hundred bucks to get down there, and I don't have to drive down there and deal with all that. Maybe, maybe that'll change, but I don't know. Um, Max Verstappen down leads the drivers' championship, one hundred nineteen from Sergio Perez at one hundred five. Fernando Alonso thirty back at seventy five. Lewis Hamilton in fourth. Uh, on 56, Carlos Sainz on 44 in fifth, followed by George Russell and Charles Leclerc. Um, constructors. Red Bull way out in front. Yeah, no surprise. 224 versus Aston Martin's 102. So they've more than doubled their points total already mm-hmm. this early in the season. Mercedes on 96 in third, followed by Ferrari at 78. And then this is a surprise. Uh, McLaren Mercedes in fifth, but 64 points in arrears from Ferrari. So yeah. basically the top four have, you know, have drawn away and it'll be settled amongst them. But, you know, I think we already know and can see who's going to take the uh, constructors title straight away. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is Red Bulls to lose. I don't see they are so far superior uh, to everybody else. I just don't see how they can kind of continue. Uh, we're off next week. Formula One is off next week. Then we'll be at Imola, uh, May 21st, uh, and then we go to Monaco. Uh, you know that that is that is a good run. Triple header. You know, you go uh, Imola, Monaco, and then uh, Circuit de, de Catalunya in Spain. Nice. Yeah, 
Nice little run there. Uh, love racing at Imola. Uh, we'll preview that next week. And, um, you know, then, then on to Monaco where all the glitz and gram, glam is, uh, you know, almost as glitzy and glamorous as it is in Miami. It, it's a show. It's a show. Yeah. It's not a great race. Um, it may not even be as good a race as Miami was today. Um, but it's still, you know, an icon of the sport. Yeah. Um, I think it's the longest running Grand Prix um, currently on the schedule. I think it is. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, we got to have it. Um, will they make any adjustments to the to the track or to the circuit in general to facilitate these new, bigger, faster cars? Eh, I don't know, but it's it's needed. It is needed. It is needed. But we will uh, we'll talk about Monaco coming up. Uh, Imola. Yeah. Now that we're back. We'll, we'll preview that next week. Love racing at Imola uh, and everything that comes along with it. Wire, final thoughts before we get out of here, my friend. Have a great week. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. A, a good week to you. So for everybody out there, for all the fans of Formula One, and for everybody who made it down to Miami, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, for Chris Wire, my name's Clark Sprinkle. We'll be back next week. Check us out, themotorsportshour.com. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.